as you head to Philippians 4, as we work our way through Philippians 4, uh, we're seeing Paul's practical instruction on what the life of a believer in Jesus looks like who is standing firm, standing firm in their faith in the Lord. And what we noted last week was that when you are faced with temptation, when you're faced with trials, difficulty, even conflict, even persecution for your faith in Jesus, you must know how to think right. You need to be able to stand firm, and to be able to stand firm, you need to know how to think right according to God's Word. And so last week we looked at Philippians 4 and verse 8 where Paul teaches us to think right. In fact, he says, think on these things, and your stability as a believer in Jesus all begins with what you think. What you think will lead you to act and behave a certain way, to live a certain way. That's why Paul says in verse 8 that believers are to think on or meditate on whatever is true. I love that he starts with the truth. We must have the truth if we're going to know how to think. And where do you find the truth? You find whatever is true in God's Word. You must go there. You must think on, meditate on whatever is true. And then he goes on to say whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He's done a powerful job of pointing us in the right direction on how we're to learn to think as believers in Jesus Christ who long to stand firm in their faith. I hope that's true of you, that you want to stand firm in your faith in the Lord, that you do not want to waver, that you want to remain faithful to the Lord until He calls you home or until He returns for you. These are the things that properly train your thinking for standing firm in the Lord, as Paul points us to them. And to stand firm in your faith in the Lord, to be stable as a believer in your day-to-day Christian walk, you must learn to think right. And so I will say it again. You need the Bible. You need God's Word. You need daily to be taught and encouraged and refreshed in your thinking by God's Word. What we will see next is that if you are learning to think right, then you will be ready to live right. That's what we see in verse 9. So let's look at it together. Turn to Philippians 4 and look at verse 9. Follow along in your Bible as I read, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Verse 9, what you have learned and received, and heard, and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. What we find in verse 9 is that when you learn to think right, you are now ready to live right, live according to God's standard of what a right living is. And all believers in Jesus are called to this. You don't don't get a pass. If you're a believer in Jesus, you don't get to choose this. 
God chooses you for this. He wants you to live in a way that pleases Him by the standard of His Word, by what is right, by the truth. How do you live a life that pleases God? It starts with right thinking, but godly thinking without godly action, godly living, is disobedience. You realize that? If you come to the Word and you hear the truth this morning and you say, fine, that's true, I get it, and you choose to live another way, that's disobedience. When all of our children were at home, we used to rake a lot of leaves together. We lived on a piece of property that had over 100 trees in the yard, and that meant for lots of leaves. And if I had said to the children, go outside and rake the leaves, and they said, yes, sir, we're on our way, and they marched outside and disappeared. And then I walked outside 30 minutes later, and they were not raking leaves. What sounded like obedience turned into disobedience, right? They said, yes, sir, I'll do it. They walk outside, they, they look obedient. But if I go check up on them, and they're not raking leaves, they're disobedient. And so it is with God's children. God gives us His Word, and it is for our good. And He instructs us, this is the way. Walk this way. Live this way. And you can nod your head and say, got it, I agree. Thanks for that, Pastor. Good sermon. I've heard that one before, but it's good to hear it again. And you walk out and you do something else. That is disobedience. Knowing the truth must lead to to a life that's lived according to the truth. It must lead to godly living. If you're going to grapple with the truth of God's Word and say, this is God's Word, I believe it, I want to obey it, then take a step, take many steps every day to obey. And then you'll be on your way to being spiritually stable and strong in your faith on your way to not wavering, no matter what you face, no matter what trial or hardship. But I want you to note this. When Paul says, practice these things, in verse 9, he means that you are to do them. (laughs) Do them. In fact, the New King James Version even translates it that way when it says, these do. (laughs) Do these. Do these things. In the original language, the word means to exercise or to practice these things. Exercise these things. Practice these things. Be busy with this or to carry on. That's the idea from the original word in the original language in which the Bible, this passage was written. Or we might say it this way, what you practice becomes a habit. And God wants your obedience to be a habit. He wants your living in the truth and by the truth to be a habit. And for the Christian to continually live right, there must be the disciplined practice of doing the right things. Not only thinking the right things, but living right. According to the Bible, God's standard. And choosing to do it over and over and over again until the Lord returns or until He calls you home. Now, What are these things Paul is talking about? Repeatedly, we've been shown here in Philippians, Paul's example, and here in verse 9, we hear him say it. 
follow my example is if in effect is what he is saying here follow my example what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things these do so what are these things the philippian believers have learned and received and heard and seen and by extension what are the things that we're learning and receiving and hearing and seeing uh, these four things, it's, uh, this list of four things, these things you've learned and received and heard and seen, these four things can actually be grouped into two categories. So let's think of them this way. Paul is saying, practice the godly teaching that you've learned and received and practice the godly example you've heard and seen. Practice the godly teaching and practice the godly example. The things that you've been taught and the things that have been lived out in front of you in obedience to the Lord, pay attention and do this or walk this way. Walk like this. Live like this. So let's think about these two categories. First of all, there's godly teaching and godly example. What kind of godly teaching had the Philippian believers received? Well, when Paul mentions things learned, he's talking about his instruction to them. He had been with them. He spent time with them. And they would, uh, that would include his preaching, his teaching, his, his discipling of them as he lived life along beside them. He had ministry that was in public. They observed him. They, of course, did not have the complete New Testament as we do, but they did have the apostles. They had godly example. And so he says, you are to practice, you are to do what I taught you. Do what I'm teaching you, he says. He also says they are to practice the things they received. And you could say that this is the same thing as what was taught, but I think he's referring to what God had revealed to him that he was then in turn to teach to them. Most commentators agree with that kind of thinking, that train of thought, that this is a term for what has been revealed by God to Paul to instruct God's people with. And these things that God has given to Paul, they are receiving from him as from God. Remember, Paul penned many books in the New Testament, and the Holy Spirit moved him along to pen the things that he wanted him to write, to write the things that God wanted him to say. And so we have God's Word because the Holy Spirit moved Godly people write the pages of scriptures for us to, to know what God wants of us. And these things that God has given to Paul, the Philippian believers were receiving from him as from God. And so there is godly teaching they are to practice. They're to practice the things learned from him and those things received from him, uh, actually from God through him. And then there's also godly example they're to follow a godly example. Paul says that they are to practice the things heard. Certainly they heard much about Paul's ministry and his life lived for Christ. He was a powerful example for them of the way a believer ought to live in the midst of trials and adversity. And if you know Paul's story, if you've read much of the New Testament, you know Paul had been through it all. He'd been through all kinds of adversity and trial and they knew of this. 
And he was a powerful example of them, of, of the way a believer ought to live who's going through hardship, who's going through difficulty and trials. One commentator notes that the apostles were called not only to walk with Christ, but they were called to be living models of New Testament Christianity before the early church. And Paul was. And we can see that's what Paul was. He was a model of New Testament Christianity. This is what it looks like to follow Christ. Follow me, Paul was saying. And so he says that they could do that. Uh, they could do just that. They could follow him and do the things that they've heard of him in his Christian walk. He also says that they are to do the things seen in his Christian walk. So do as I say and do as I do. And we ought not disconnect those two. Uh, people ought to be able to follow what we say and follow what we do and be safe in their walk with Christ. And that was Paul. He had spent time with them. They had seen him in his Christian walk. They had seen him going through trials. How did Paul respond when he faced hardship and trials? He was a godly example of how they ought to respond. And Paul had worked and lived with them, and he had certainly eaten meals with them, and they had served alongside him as he did ministry and lived life, and they knew his walk with Christ was something that they could follow and practice. And so Paul says that they should practice what they'd learned from his teaching and what they received through him from God and what they had heard and seen as he walked with Christ his Christ-like walk. He says, this is your example. Now practice it. Now do it. Live it. Do these things. And if you're a believer today, I want you to hear this. This is for you. And this is God speaking to you from the pages of His Word, His Bible, to you today. This is the way to walk. This is the way to live. Now walk this way. Now live this way. You have a gift from God. If you're holding a Bible in your hands, if you have the Word of God available to you, you have a gift from God. God's Word is meant to instruct you and teach you and encourage you. God's Word instructs you and He, he doesn't give you any wiggle room here. You can't pick and choose what you're going to obey. This is how, if you're a believer in Jesus, this is how God wants you to live. As you look at the Word, this is how He wants you to live. You are not excused to follow the ungodly practices of the unbelieving world around you. If you say you're a believer in Jesus, then you are to live in such a way that other believers could say this about you. They're following Christ. You can live like that. And wouldn't that be something for other believers to be able to say that about us, to say, they, they follow Christ. You, you watch their example and live that way, and you'll follow Christ. Many of you are not likely eager to say that about yourselves, are you? And I would be counted among you. We're not, we're not eager to say, hey, follow me. I'm following Jesus. Why? Because we know, we know the struggles that we have. We know that full obedience on our part is difficult. That we don't always measure up every day or even every hour. But what we're learning from verse 9 today is that if you're a child of God, 
If you call yourself a believer in Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you ought to not only think right, you ought to pursue right living. You ought to live right so that you can say, come with me. I'm following Christ. You, you come with me. Let's, let's do this together. Let's follow Jesus together. You ought to long to be thinking right and living right so that you can know the joy of the Lord as your strength. It's not just for a, a powerful testimony. It's a powerful reason to follow the Lord and to be obedient and to live right is to be a powerful testimony. But you also ought to want the joy that God will give you when you're pursuing righteousness. Parents, grandparents, you need to be not only believing the truth and, and saying the truth to your children, your grandchildren, telling them the truth about God's word, teaching them the truth, but you also need to be living it. Your children, your grandchildren need to see your life being conformed to the truth of God's word. This should be true of all of us who call ourselves believers in Jesus. Do you have coworkers who are unbelievers? They ought to see your life becoming more and more conformed to the truth of God's word. Even though they don't know all of God's word, it's amazing how many unbelievers know how believers are supposed to live. And it's not that we're just supposed to try to live up to their standard. We're to live to God's standard. And unbelievers ought to see us doing that being conformed to the likeness of Christ, to the truth of the Scriptures. That is a powerful testimony. It should be true of all of us. Now, I want you to see the results for the believers who practice what has been learned, received, and heard and seen, because we see that too in verse 9. Did you see that? Did you see the results? Paul says that Look at verse 9 again. Paul says that the God of peace will be with you. That is not a throwaway statement. That's not just a nice little cliche, a little tag on on the end of this instruction. Do these things. You know, like Paul barking out orders, telling you how to live and, and the God of peace will be with you. No. Pay attention here. And... You do these things. You pursue righteousness. You pursue living right. And here's how God blesses. Here's a power, powerful example of how God blesses. And we need a, an example of, like this. We need many examples like this in God's Word. Because here we are. We live our lives based on much of what we see and what we can touch and feel. We want experience. We want to see things. We want to know for certain because we've seen them with our own eyes. But here's a powerful example of how God blesses. And even though we often think of God's blessing in terms of the things that we can see, even we, we even think that God of God's blessings that way, that that, oh, look at that. Look what God has given me. I can see it. He's blessed me. We often think of God's blessing in terms of things that we can see. But here's something better than what you can see. 
And you need to be convinced of this in your heart by the truth of God's word. That God's peace is better than anything you can see. Because you can't often see peace, but you'll know it when you've got it. You'll know peace when you have it. Right thinking and right living, that is thinking and living that is shaped by the word of God, will always bring peace that only God can give. Don't listen to me about this. Listen to God's word about this. Listen to Isaiah 32 and verse 17. When it puts it this way, Isaiah 32 and verse 17. And the effect of righteousness. Do you hear that? That's called right living. Living according to God's word. And the effect of righteousness will be peace. And the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. Do you want to quantify peace for a moment? You want to think about what it means to be at peace? Isaiah 32, 17 helps. Isaiah says that when you live right, when you pursue obedience to God's word, righteousness, God gives peace. God gives quietness of heart, even in the midst of turmoil, even though you may find yourself in hardship and trials, God shows up and gives peace when you pursue obedience, when you pursue right living. God gives quietness and he helps you trust him more. That's what I see there. Quietness and trust forever. Think of that. When you have the peace of God, you're learning to trust God. You're learning to obey Him from His Word. We can also hear of this blessing of peace from God later in Isaiah. Isaiah 48 and verse 18. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. Also known as right living. Righteousness. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. That's a negative example, but it's a powerful reminder of how we gain peace. One of God's greatest blessings in this life that you cannot see, but you'll know it when you have it. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments, that you would live right, live according to the truth. Then your peace would have been like a river. So when you honor God with obedient living, He blesses you. And the biblical example here is a visual example as you think of a, a river that flows and flows and flows and goes peacefully for miles and miles. That's God's peace when you pursue right living, when you pursue obedience, righteousness. That's a blessing far better than anything you can see. There's also a warning in Isaiah for those who reject right thinking and right living. Of course, right living needs to be trained by God's word. And Isaiah 48.22 says, There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. There is no peace 
if you reject the truth of God's word. It would not be good for you to be at peace. God doesn't want you to be at peace. He wants you to turn to Him and believe in Him and pursue the truth of His Word. Right thinking and right living. And when trained by the Word of God, right thinking and right living always brings peace. Because the God of peace will always give you His peace when your life honors Him. He will be with you, according to Philippians 4 and verse 9. Let me give you a, a negative example and a positive example. Turn with me to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. You can see both a negative and a positive example here. James 4 verses 1 and 2 shows a clear example of the outcome of wrong thinking and wrong living. James 4 verses 1 and 2. Follow along. What causes quarrels... And what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And then note in verse 3 how wrong thinking leads to the wrong kind of praying. You ask, that's prayer, and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. God's word says you you don't get it because you're praying selfishly. And then note in verse 4 how wrong thinking leads to wrong living. You adulterous people. That's people who are disobedient. That's That's what this means here. You adulterous people, people who are disobedient to God. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? You're resisting God. If you're friends with the world's way of doing things and resisting God's way of doing things, you're you're at enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Can I just tell you that's dangerous territory? To be an enemy of the creator of the universe, the one who upholds life and sustains it and gives you breath? You do not want to be his enemy, do you? I do not. And then in verses 5 through 8, the first part of verse 8, there's a clear example of the peace of God, the peace that God gives as a result of right thinking. So here's a positive example after the negative example this right thinking and right living, or, you, or do you suppose, says verse 5, it is to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. We could also say peace here. God gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble what's god's grace it's blessing from god and how does that show up it often shows up as peace so verse 7 says submit yourselves therefore to god and you can sum up that statement in two words right living right living submit yourselves therefore to god how do you do that you look at god's word and you say this is god's word i must obey I must obey. I want to live right according to God's word. 
And so God's word says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And verse 7, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. That's live right. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. A wonderful promise in and of itself, which we don't have time for this morning. And then verse 8, draw near to God. Again, that's right living. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. That's God giving you his peace. And then as we go on in the rest of verse 8 through the first part of verse 11, we see the challenge to God's people to think right and live right. Look at verse 8 again. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Right living. Resist sinful living. Pursue right living. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. In other words, that is, grieve over your disobedience, your wrong living, and pursue right living. And then verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord. Live right. And He will exalt you. Verse 11, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. Now turn back to chapter 3 in James. Maybe it's back a page, maybe not. Uh, Turn back to chapter 3 in James and look at verse 17. And notice the blessing from God to those who learn to think right and live right. James 3.17, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. That's God giving wisdom to you if you will honor Him with your right thinking and take steps to obey Him by your right living. God is gracious to His children when they honor Him with their obedience. Now here's something very important. I would not be doing justice to this message if I didn't make this really clear to you. Here's something really important. Right living? You can't do that. (laughs) You're like, wait, what? You've been preaching all this time, telling me to do something I can't do? You can't do it. And you need to know that. What am I saying? I'm telling you, you need God's help. You need to understand today that right thinking and right living is only possible if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're submitting to Him because it's possible to know the Lord and to quench the Holy Spirit, to quench the work that the Spirit wants to do in you. So you need to know Christ as Lord and Savior. Repent of your sin. Believe in Him. Be saved. If you haven't done that, you can do that in this moment in which you sit there before God in the quietness of your heart. You can repent of your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and He will save you. And at that moment, He will give you His Holy Spirit. And so believers in Jesus can do this, not in their own strength, but with the help of the Spirit. 
If you're a believer, do not ever forget this. You are not obeying God in your own strength. You are not obeying God because you're a self-righteous, you're a powerful individual, and you're just doing it. No. If you're obeying God, you're doing it because you're submitting to God, and He is helping you by way of His indwelling, present Holy Spirit with the wisdom of His Word. Right living is not easy. Right living, in fact, is impossible without Christ. The Bible tells you that before you knew Christ as Lord and Savior, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And then when you put your faith in Christ, He makes you alive in Christ. But only through Christ can you truly live. And by way of the Holy Spirit's work, present in you by way of the wisdom of the word as you put yourself into the word and you put the word into you the holy spirit takes the word and helps you obey it so every day is an appropriate day to say god help me live right i cannot do it practice these things says verse 9 philippians 4 practice these things practice these things do these things You need the Holy Spirit's help for that. You need the wisdom of the Word for that. You cannot do them on your own. But as you practice these things, as you do these things, the God of peace will be with you. What a wonderful blessing that is. What a wonderful blessing we can take to the bank, we can count on. When we honor God, He gives us His peace.